And so we wanted to talk about this coronavirus thing, but not just from the physical standpoint. Obviously, we want you to be careful. We want you to take care of yourself and your family. Take all the measures necessary to keep yourself healthy and safe. But let's look at this from the financial perspective, because we know it's having significant economic impact across the globe. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode of Getting Money Right, we're talking about, what else? The coronavirus. <laughs> Now's um, the time. It's in the news, it's all over, and you cannot escape uh, literally one day, one hour without hearing something about it, and it's it's pretty scary. I mean, I've, you know, by the time this episode comes out, um, it could it could be worse than it is today, which is pretty scary. Right. I mean, we went to the store just the other day, David, and I mean, shelves are empty. I haven't seen that in the United States in a long, long time, right. where literally you have no cleaning supplies, all the toilet paper's gone. It's just, it's a bit panicky. It's like, it's a really kind of a weird thing to experience. And so we wanted to talk about this coronavirus thing, but not just from the physical standpoint. Obviously, we want you to be careful. We want you to take care of yourself and your family, take all the measures necessary to keep yourself healthy and safe. But let's look at this from the financial perspective, because we know it's having significant economic impact across the globe. Uh, the markets are down by whatever, 30% by now. Yeah. It's crazy how much it's dropped in just a, a few weeks. And I'm sure, I know it's impacting families. So we want to talk about how has this impacted you? Yep. And uh, really dive into what can we do? What can we learn from this? Yeah. Well, and I'll even just point out first that the S&P 500, mm -hmm. which is kind of the some of the 500 largest stocks in the US, right. it's a conglomeration, it's an index of that. And you know, just let me see, less than 30 days ago, it was at 3,300, yeah. almost 3,400. Yeah. Uh, today, it's at 2,400. Yeah. And Incredible. so that means it's gone down a thousand points, which is about a third. Yep. So about 33%. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy. That's incredible. So, th I mean, just in one month, this thing has shaken the U.S. economy and we're, and we're kind of on the front end. I think yep. that we're hoping that it doesn't get worse. Yeah. Uh, and I think that a lot of that huge drop is people expecting things to get worse. And yes. so even if they did get a little worse, the market can only go so far down. But right now we're at 30% and yeah. it could be 40, you know, in the future. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But but this is just to give you some perspective. I mean, that that is a real statistic mm -hmm. that as of today, March 13th, you know, we're looking back a month and we can see a major change. Yeah, it's been significant. And not only that, but it's across the globe. It's yeah. not just the U.S., it's across the globe. And it's impacting companies, not just because of the fear of the virus, but the actual impact is people are not going out because of right. this fear. Right. So they're not going to be purchasing. Companies like Starbucks are saying you're only going to be able to get coffee through the drive-thru. The NBA has canceled oh their... I mean, there's been yeah, so geez. many things canceled. All the large events, literally last night, the Dallas uh, mayor was on and they said that they any any gathering of over 500 people uh, are canceled um, so it's significant it's going right. to impact our economy not just because of the fear of the virus but the actual physical toll it's going to take on the right. fact that people will not be out there spending money right and and there are people who are not afraid and living in fear but they're going to honor the governmental restrictions sure. they're going to honor and be precautious and, and not even in an act of fear, but just an act of honoring and submitting to authority, 
they're going to not have gatherings over 500 people, right. which is going to affect tourism. Uh, it's going to affect, we had just done some international travel mm-hmm. in Israel. And, and when we got back the day after, they started to shut down travel yeah. and tourism in Israel. And the tour guide who we had just spent time with uh, put on Facebook, you know, she had three big tour groups cancel and that's her income. Yeah. Right. What is she going to do mm-hmm. for the next two months, three months? And and how long lasting will that impact be? I mean, Israel's yeah. a pretty popular place. So when, you know, this starts to fade away, people are going to start going there right yeah. away. But that's other places gonna a, yeah. are going to be impacted for a long time to come. And so just uh, it's interesting to see this unfold in real time mm-hmm. it's a it's definitely a psychological study of uh you know the the ethos of thinking in the u.s and then literally globally yeah. how we're connected so let's just ask a few questions personally uh were you ready for something like this mm-hmm. i'm talking to you the listener were yeah. you ready uh when i mean in less than a month this has happened that it's that's really exploded and and does this catch you off guard? Yeah. You know, did you a did you expect something like this? But you know, Leo and I we're always talking about being ready for something like this. Mm-hmm. We're ready for some kind of downturn. Always talking about margin. So so, do you feel ready, or do you feel caught off guard completely? Are you mm-hmm. scared? Uh, there is a there's a fear that comes from the physical, uh, the virus, the the threat to health, the threat to work. But then there's another fear that comes on the threat to finances. Mm-hmm. And and what am I going to do without an income for a season or with a lowered income? So are you ready? How are your finances today? Just think about that for a second. And depending on how your finances are today, how do you want to have your finances set up five years from now, 10 years from now? Because something like this is always going to come around mm-hmm. in some kind of cycle. We saw a huge hit in the housing market in 2008, 2009, right? Right when we went into the Great Recession. And that was about 11 years ago. So what are you going to do today to begin preparing for the great fill in the blank of 2030 or maybe mm-hmm. 2027? I mean, right. We don't know the date, but this is going to happen again, whether it's a, a virus, whether it's a housing bubble, whether it's a government that goes insolvent because they can't pay their debts, whether it's a, a war that breaks out somewhere that it disrupts, you know, oil. I don't know what it's going to be, but are you prepared today? And if not, let's talk about that. But then let's also talk about being prepared for the next time Mm -hmm. so you can take advantage. So we're going to talk about some of the advantages that people are going to take during this time. I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, I mean, there is, there's some absolute financial benefit to be made Mm -hmm. in this season if you're in the right financial position today. Yep. Uh, so how do you set yourself up to be like that? Either maybe you're there today. Let's talk about it. Maybe you need to be there the next time this happens. Yeah, it's great. I mean, those are great questions to ask and to consider because if we don't understand our, our past or if we don't take advantage of what's, what we learned from today or from our past, then we're doomed to repeat it. And so we wanted to do this show not because we wanted to be you know, talking about the coronavirus because everybody else is talking about it. We really have nothing to add to, to the actual conversation as it relates to the virus itself. But to the financial, the economic right. side of it, we definitely feel like we have some insight that we can give. In fact, David, about a year ago, you and I introduced the four financial steps to purposeful living. Right. And we outlined four things in there that I want to emphasize that are really almost like key things that you have to have in place in order to be ready for something like this. And the number one was spend on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Which which is basically having a budget. Now think about it. If you're already living on a budget and this thing happens, and let's say you have to work from home, maybe you have reduced pay, maybe you don't have any pay. The employer says, hey, 
we're going to shut down for two weeks until things thing passes over. So sorry, but you're not going to get paid. Right. So for two weeks, you're not going to get paid. If you're on a budget, you know what you need to live on. So all of a sudden, you can go back to your budget and say, okay, what can we do without? And you can do some aggressive cutting back so you're just surviving for the next two weeks That's right. until the business opens again and your income can start to flow in again. So ultimately, a budget will help you to maximize, right? Now you're really spending on purpose because now you're just saying, well, I'm only going to spend what I need to, and that's food. I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to conserve, conserve, conserve because I got to survive over the next two weeks. And then, of course, another thing is having margin, right? So if let's say you're making, you know, $1,000 a week, but you're only spending 500 a week, now you you have $500 a cushion. So even if That's you right. lose some of your income, you may still be able to keep going because you aren't spending it all. That's so right. that margin plays a big part in helping you to survive to something like this. Uh, of course, another one is having that emergency fund, right? Saving before you, you're spending. And by having that savings, it allows you now to say, hey, we're going to be okay for like three, four months. In fact, if we really tighten the belt, we can make this last for seven months. I mean, that's a tremendous uh, place to be where right. it brings that safety and right. that I'm not going to have to freak out over anything. And you're not over there at the store freaking out, emptying the shelves because you know, hey, we're going to be okay. So my point is it puts you in a position to really maximize this time. And then the last one, of course, is investing wisely, right? Mm -hmm. In situations like this, a lot of folks, I won't say a lot of folks, some folks that's who right. are properly positioned can't really benefit for these kind of downturns because they have the cash available to take an opportunity like buying when everything is dropping and buying at that low point and then waiting for it to go back up. And recently I was reading an article about Warren Buffett and people have been keeping an eye on him because he's been really saving and holding on to a lot of cash. In fact, as of last report, $128 billion in cash is what Berkshire Hathaway's has in, <laughs> wow. in, in their accounts. So he's properly poised to buy out a lot of companies that are now considerably cheaper <laughs> to buy, right? They can buy a significant amount of stock from different companies that everybody knows they're going to be around long term. You're talking about the Apples and the Microsoft and the Boeings and the, you know, all of those, Google. And if he can come in and buy 10, 15, 20%, all of a sudden he can make a tremendous amount of money. Well, that is available to every single one of us mm -hmm. because we have the ability to invest wisely. And if we have the money set aside, these kind of opportunities, instead of having fear, we can actually maximize these opportunities and help us to get to a better place financially. That's right. Warren Buffett has this really great quote that he's known uh, famously for saying, talking to investors, he says that uh, you should be fearful when others are greedy, mm -hmm. like when the market is just screaming up and everybody's, everybody's buying. buying and everybody's getting in and they're, they're greedy. They're trying to make money as fast as they can. That's when you should slow down a little bit and be cautious and be aware. He says, but you should be greedy when others are fearful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what he's talking about is when this level of fear hits the nation and the world uh, around Corona, if you have money set aside in reserve and you can invest it at that low point, you, when the market returns already today, we've talked about, there's been at least a 30% decline in the S and P 500. That's, that is the, the baseline easiest thing to invest in when it comes to, you know, getting into a brokerage and saying, I want to be in the S and P 500. Anybody can do that in about 20 minutes online, maybe, right. maybe 30, you know, yeah. you set up the account and go for it. It's not that hard. And, and 
if you have a long investing horizon, which Leo and I always talk about, at some point, the market will return back to where it was before. Now, with 2009... You know, it took till 2013 for it to fully recover. Yeah, and but then four years. To, four years. That's not bad. It's not bad If you at have all. a long-term horizon, four years is nothing. That's exactly right. And then it just doubled and doubled and continued to move up from there. And so if you had invested at that low point, you would have made... So A, it returned, which means that that whole time, it, it went down a little bit and went up a little bit, went down a little bit. But in four years, it recovered 40%. Yeah. So that meant, you know, 50, I say 40%, that was how much it had dropped. So really mm-hmm. it recovered up to 100% of what it originally was. Right. And so that means you would have just made 40%. You would have almost doubled your money in those four years. Yeah. If you bought at the If at you that bought point, at the low. Instead of just, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then it would have doubled again in the next couple of years and then doubled again in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, at the low, I guess if we're going back to the S&P 500 and my, my exact number, I won't be perfectly right because I didn't research it but i remember it was around 700 mm-hmm. you know maybe 750 less than 800 at the yeah, low yeah, yeah right and i just said that that the s&p 500 was at 3400 before this happened mm-hmm. so 800 doubled to 1600 doubled to, to 3200 i mean you yeah. would have made great money if yeah. you had invested then i think what the overall like percentage of increase was like 400 percent or some oh, yeah. crazy number yep. like that. just phenomenal so so we're saying that if you have margin like warren buffett has billions of dollars mm-hmm. sitting on the side waiting for something like this. Yeah. He's going to be able to A, keep his companies afloat. Yes. And then B, take that extra margin and invest it. And he's going to make a ton of money. Yes. Right? Yep. And that's really what we're trying to say about our own situation. Even though we may not have billions in cash, but if we have thousands in cash or oh, tens yeah. of thousands, Absolutely. we can, you know, even if you were to take $10,000 today and invest it. I don't know how much further it's going to go down. It may may still drop a little bit. We don't know what the bottom is. Nobody really knows. But either way, if you look look at the NASDAQ, look at the S&P, it's down by 30% or more. If you were to just buy now, even if it went down a little bit, you'd still be able to catch it on the way up. And my point is, if you were to invest $10,000 now, and let's say 10 years from now, it's back up to two, 300% from where it is today, that 10,000 can be a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to say. A little bit invested today in 10 years could be a lot of money, but you can't do any of that if you're not prepared. If you, you don't can't have take it, yep. you can't take that from your savings account or your emergency fund. It's got to be money that you set aside for and, okay. investing. So this it's not about emptying your account. Yes. Don't do that. That, that, that would be stupid. <laughs> right. So this is big. So Ashley and I had this conversation on the drive in to work the other day. Mm. So, I mean, just think about the stewardship of this, of this whole thing. Uh, my vehicle broke down, mm-hmm. and so we had it at somewhere being you know, fixed up, yeah. and we had the cash set aside to pay for that because we've been saving yeah. it to our vehicle saving fund. So we were spending on purpose, at creating margin and saving, right? So my vehicle's being worked on. We're driving into work together in her car, and we have this exact conversation. Okay, we have some cash, mm-hmm. and, and what part of our cash would we like to potentially use to take advantage of this situation? Yes. And, and we went through and we said, well, first and foremost, we believe in the emergency fund. Yes. Uh, we, we, Leo and I call this our stabilization fund. It, it stabilizes us in every situation. So we're not going to touch that. Mm-mm. Like that cash Mm-mm. is always just going to stay in the bank. Right. Right. And then we have another little grouping of cash set aside for, you know, car replacement. Well, at some point, my car that's currently in the shop is going to need to be replaced. Yep. We're probably not going to touch that cash. But then is there some other cash beyond those things mm-hmm. that we've saved for? And how, how like some of those things are medium-term savings. 
you know, if we weren't going to be touching that cash anyway for the next two years, yeah. And I believe that the market may recover in the next two to three years, yeah. right? Great opportunity. Great opportunity. But but before I went off and made any crazy decisions, or before Ashley went off and made any crazy <laughs> decisions, doesn't matter who's you know really yeah. kind of spearheading the finances, we had a conversation. Yeah. We talked about it, and and we were on the same page. Yeah. Okay, we don't touch our emergency fund. Yes. But we do have additional savings, so let's go line by line and determine what percentage of our cash do we want to use to take advantage of this season. Mm-hmm. And when we look at our savings fund, we're just grateful. We're like, we're so grateful that we have emergency savings set aside today yeah. because this is technically an emergency situation. Sure. It hasn't affected us yet majorly financially. Um, currently, we're both still employed. Currently, you know, things are, are continuing to move along. But but what if something goes wrong? Yeah. That's why that emergency fund is there. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's so, so good. In fact, it's funny you should say this, David. We didn't talk about this before we you know, started recording this, but Natalie and I had that conversation this morning. That's great. Because I've been, I've been reading a lot about what's been happening. Just You know, I typically do that anyway just because I'm curious. I like to see the social component of the market because it's all about reaction and what people do. It's not, it's not always financial, folks. It's, a lot of times it's just the emotions of what right. people. And I love watching that because I love to see how somebody who understands that operates, like a Warren Buffett and some of the other great investors out there. And then just to see how the typical market does, which is big sell-off because everybody's afraid. In fact, uh, I have an, a Vanguard account. That's where I have my, my retirement account. And I, I got online just to kind of check my thing to see how far it dropped, you know. Um, which is funny, but hey, I, long-term horizon, so I'm not going to freak out. But the one tweet that I saw from Vanguard is, and it was a question, what are Vanguard customers doing? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yes. So I'm a Vanguard nothing. customer. Yeah. Exact same nothing. thing. Before we even talked about what we would invest, the first thing that Ashley and I said was, we agree that we're not going to touch what's no. currently invested. That's right. Uh, we're not going to pull our money out of Vanguard and put it on the side yeah. because of fear. We have a long-term plan. Yep. And we know that in the next five to 10 years, this this recovery will happen. And we're not worried about it because right. that is planned to yeah. stay in there for more than 10 years. That's right. And so so what are Vanguard investors doing? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. And again, folks, this is not about knowing the future. We don't know the future. Right. But what we do know is the consistency of how the market works. Mm-hmm. It goes up and down in cycles. And if you constantly try to time the market, you're pulling the money off. I mean, literally when that first drop, I remember a month ago, whatever, the first drop, and it was like 700 points. Right. And I was thinking, hmm, is it time to pull off? And I literally, I was like, maybe I should park it. I had that thought. Maybe right. I should park it. But I had done that in the past, and it bit me because then I didn't jump in because I was like, well, it, did it hit the bottom yet? And so I was trying to time the market, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I have a long-term horizon. I'm going to leave it alone. And it kept dropping, it kept dropping, it kept dropping. And the thing that you go through is you're looking at this thing, you're thinking, God, I should have done, I should have. No, if that's what you're thinking, then literally you need to go back at how you're investing yeah. and decide that maybe the way you're investing is too risky for you. And if you can't sleep at night, you need to reallocate that in a way that makes you sleep at night. That's right. So it's a little bit more balanced. So as the stocks are, you know, securities are dropping, stocks are, are suffering, maybe the bonds are going the opposite direction. So you're taking either less of a loss or you're actually staying fairly balanced. But if you have a long-term horizon, we know that the higher risk is in stock, but it's also the higher reward. And that's my plan. That's what Natalie and I's plan. So yes, I think you leave the money alone, but at the same time, we're 
we had the same conversation you did. Yep. We have some money set aside literally for investing. That's what it's called yeah. in our budget. Oh, that's great. It's yep. money we set aside every month. We, are, we have our emergency fund fully funded and everything else that we save because we do have margin. We don't spend everything we get. And all of that's going into savings. And as that's growing, we're looking for an opportunity. Now, that might be a real estate investment or it might be more stocks or it might be something else. But we had exactly the same conversation, which is this is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're willing to take and it's always a risk, right? Because oh, you right. don't know what's going right. to happen. It could tank even more than it did. But if you have a long term horizon, if you have the money, you're not you don't need to live on it because you set it aside to invest. Then I believe that the risk is worth it. Yep. So it's just a matter of knowing, you know, doing all the research, making sure that you're making a decision and, and knowing that, hey, if I'm going to pull the trigger on this, I'm going to buy things that I, for instance, if we were to buy an individual stock, we would be buying a company that we know is going to be around a long time. Oh, sure. Like a Google, like an Apple, like an Amazon. But, and it's really not a lot of risk in that because you know over time those companies are going to continue to be here. Yeah. So anyway, yep. but but it is this this opportunity to invest wisely because you're positioned to invest. Right. And you're not having to take a risk in investing because yep. you're not taking money and borrowing money to invest. You're taking money you already have set aside for that reason. That's right. And Leo, this goes back uh, over 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is not the first time that this kind of thing has happened. That's true. So if you go back to around the 1400s BC, mm-hmm. right? So over 3,000 years ago, this is called the Joseph principle. Mm-hmm. And this is based on a story found in the Bible about a man named Joseph who interpreted a dream from the king and discovered that a famine was going to come upon the land. Right. And so once he determined that something bad was coming and it was going to be in seven years, mm-hmm. he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to save 20%, 20% of everything for the next seven years. Yeah. So he started saving up grain, bread, everything that it took for seven years. Now, right. imagine seven years ago, if you had started saving 20%. Yeah. And then today, you would have you know multiple years worth of income set aside, yep. ready. Yep. And so this is what happens with him. Uh, he's in Egypt, and it just kind of to the northeast of them is the land of Canaan. And all of these people are coming down to Egypt saying, hey, we have nothing. Well, from all over the world, all, actually. Literally all over yeah. the world, right. Yeah. Uh, specifically, you know, the, the the biggest impact was in this land of Canaan, but literally all over the world, uh, Egypt ended up becoming a massive superpower mm-hmm. around the world because yes. people came to him and said, we don't have any bread. You know, this famine has caused no rain to fall, no crops to grow. We have yep. our animals, but we don't have bread. We so, have land. Yeah, we have land. But we can't grow anything on it because there's exactly. no rain. <laughs> so Joseph says, well, okay, I'll buy your animals from you with bread because he has saved up mm-hmm. for seven years. Yeah. And so at the end of the year, after they've sold him all their animals, then they come back and they say, hey, we don't have animals and we don't have bread, but we have land. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, I'll sell you, you know, bread for your land. And he's able to accumulate for his owner for his master i say his owner pharaoh pharaoh right for the pharaoh of the land he's over able to accumulate for egypt all of the livestock Mm -hmm. of all of the local lands and all of the land yeah and so now in egypt and so now all of these people when the good times come back around Mm -hmm. the land belongs to pharaoh in egypt yeah and now they're able to charge 20 percent taxes 
on everything that's produced in this land. Mm-hmm. But now, now that sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're charging them taxes after. No, they saved their yeah, lives. They kept them alive. The people came and said, we have no food. Yeah. And thankfully, Joseph had food set aside so that he could buy their animals. Mm-hmm. If nobody could have bought their animals, yeah. they would have killed Everybody their animals, have perished. Eaten, and yeah. then they would have died. Yep. So, so Joseph literally saved thousands, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands of lives, and they were so grateful that when it came time to pay those taxes, it was not, oh, we're mad. It was like, you saved our life, thank you. Yeah. Right Now, there's other geopolitical things that will happen after that in Egypt and around the world that will affect yeah. things, but for that season... For that, you know, I don't know what the number of years was, but 100 years, Egypt was the global superpower. And I mean, actually, there are generations of how long Egypt was a superpower. But in that season, the country expanded dramatically. You have the ability to take this principle and apply it in your life because there are going to be opportunities where if you save for a period of seven years, Mm -hmm. when something like this happens, you're ready to A, provide for someone else, but it will also benefit you long term. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a proven fact. I mean, that's a great story and it's so relevant to today because when you think about where nations are today, there's nations that are really in trouble. In fact, I was reading an article recently uh, that talked about how Germany has made a decision now to prop up basically and and stimulate the, their economy in order to make sure that you know they can survive this this mess. And literally, here's what it says. I pulled this from the article. So Germany is repeating today that the fiscal shackles are being taken off and that Germany will put no limit on credit program to help companies, according to the finance minister. So they're willing to say, whatever you need to get through this, we're going to give you the funds. But here's the thing. There's there's always strings attached to giving money away. Absolutely. If you remember 2008, the government gave over $700 to banks. They didn't just give them the money. Mm-mm. Some people think, well, they just gave them the money and bail them out. No, they literally bought part of those companies, and those companies had to buy it back later with interest and all of that. So in the same way that Joseph was able to make Pharaoh rich, right? this economic downturn can make governments. Now, the United States is a democracy. It's not in the business of owning companies. Right. The U.S. government Hopefully at this point. Hopefully it never will be. <laughs> Hopefully it will never be. <laughs> but I know I grew up in a communist country. Yeah. where the government owned everything. Right. And these kind of situations, these kind of economic downturns, it wasn't the government coming out and saying, can we give you a loan? No, they would cut back and you'd, you'd be on rations. Yeah. So the difference between us and maybe a socialist country is significant in an economic downturn like this, but the effect is always the same. People end up being slaves to a degree, either yeah. because they yeah. have a ton of debt now that they've taken on to in order to survive, or they literally become slaves. One way or the other, it's it's not financially feasible for them. It actually hurts their family long term. And the reason we're talking about it today is because no matter where you find yourself today, maybe you weren't prepared for this. Maybe you're praying and hoping that your company doesn't shut down because if you miss a paycheck, right. you're in trouble. Oh, man. Yeah. And and we hope that's not the situation. But if it is, I guess what, what I would encourage you to think through and plan for is consider the four steps to purposeful living that we've introduced. Yes. And talk talk with your spouse, talk with your family, and just how can we begin to spend on purpose? How can we begin to save before we spend so that this doesn't happen to us again? Next time, we have a cushion. We can live off of it. And at worst, we'll spend our emergency fund, but other than that, everything will operate as if nothing, nothing really happened. That's right. And it is a way that allows you 
to overcome these kinds of situations where fear doesn't come in, you're not making bad financial decisions, and if anything, it allows you to capitalize and really grow wealth in a time like this because opportunities are all, yes. ar- all around us if you're not fearful about what you're going to put on the table to eat in the next meal, but you're literally seeing opportunities to invest because you have the, the liquidity and the cash available to do so. Right. I think it's the difference between having financial wisdom and applying it or just living every day as if it's your last. Right. I think you have to kind of think about this. And, and if this caught you in a bad position, our hope is that you'll learn from it and potentially be in a better position next time. That's right. If, if you're not in a great position today, then go back and start listening to our budgeting episodes. Mm-hmm. Start listening to our episodes on what it looks like to buy a house, to buy a car, so that you make good decisions. Right. So you set a good foundation for when those times come. And, and go back and look at what it looks like to be a good employee and to get promotions. We have a, a whole episode on how mm-hmm. to advance in your career. And so go and scroll through the episodes. If you're not set today to take advantage, go back and listen to those. Yeah. If you're in a place where you are ready to take advantage, go listen to the episodes on investing mm-hmm. and take this as a catalyst to go start searching. Uh, let me end this episode with just two quick experiences because in a massive, literally global pandemic fear spreading world where Mm. the media is outrageously scary with how they communicate things. Uh, You personally have two different options. You can, you can communicate and interact with people in two different ways. So let me, let me just share something that happened to me today. Today, I went to the doctor's office this morning. My wife had an appointment. I went with her and the physician, the actual doctor came out and greeted us at the door. Mm. He shook my hand. He looked me in the eyes. He said, good morning. He was welcoming. He was friendly. He offered us water. He brought us into his office. He got to know us a little bit. Um, he actually found out that we were Christians. And so he, he started to just share a little bit of scripture for, for a season like this. When things mm. are scary, he wow. said, I go back to Psalm 91 and it says that the Lord is my refuge and my fortress and I will trust in him. And he talked about Psalm 62. He said, you know, truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. So he, mm, wow. he, he hears who we are. He sees us. He invites us in. He shares things that connect with us personally. Uh, he helps us. He serves us well. And he sends us on our way. Literally, 10 minutes later, I have a, an allergy appointment. This mm-hmm. is a routine allergy appointment that I have yeah. a couple times a year. And I went into the doctor's office. And before I can even get in the door, I'm stopped by somebody in a mask and gloves and, you know, at a distance saying, stop, I need you to answer these questions. I was kind of thrown off because I was walking towards the window where you usually go. Yeah. And instead, I'm stopped at the door um, right as I open the door. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I answer the questions. I walk over to the window. Um, I'm like, okay, I start to have a little casual conversation. I do the co-payment for the allergy visit. I start to fill out the paperwork. I chat with the people at the front, just friendly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm being friendly, just having a normal conversation. Yeah. I go sit down. Five minutes later, they call me back up to the front, and they say, we're going to need you to leave. <laughs> we're going to have to cancel your appointment. Wow. And we're going to have to have you come back in the future. And I said, oh my gosh, is everything all right? Like, are you guys okay? They're like, well, we found out that you had been traveling uh, about a month ago in Israel because that was one of the questions I had answered when I first walked in the door, just kind of caught off guard. And I said, yeah, you know, I went on a tourism trip 
last month in, in February. It's the middle of March now. And they said, yeah, we can't see you. Uh, and I said, is this a government thing? Did the government tell you you can't serve me? And they said, no, our physicians group, it's a large group of doctors, has decided that we won't see patients that have traveled in the last month. And, and I just, I was just shocked. <laughs> I was just, I'm literally at the doctor's office. Yeah. And, and there's no one else. And there's one other person in the waiting room. And the one other person has gloves and like a mask. And you can tell that, that they're feeling the fear of this. And I'm yeah. not, there's nothing wrong with that. Be precautious. Be aware of how serious this is. Sure. But, but I'm standing there just like, guys, I'm showing no symptoms. I've been here for weeks. I have no issues. I'm here for a routine appointment. And you're literally telling me I can't meet with a doctor today. Mm. And I just began to ask them just a few questions. And they couldn't answer. They were like, uh, yeah, you just can't be here. Like you just, okay. We, you need we're to gonna leave. And, <laughs> and, and then they just rescheduled me for weeks in advance to come back. And I was just blown away. So think of the two experiences. You, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you should take caution. You should, you should have an abundance of caution in the season. I'm not saying not to take it seriously, but the way that you respond to your friends, to your customers, to the people that you interact with on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you can change the atmosphere where you are. Sure. And the first doctor, who do you think is going to get repeat business, right? Yeah. The, the one that invited us in, that met us at the door, that connected personally, or the one that I never even got to see the doctor mm -hmm. for a routine appointment because somebody in a mask told me I need to leave. I mean, I was just blown away. I understand precautions. I understand how serious this is. I'm not saying it isn't. And if they had been busy and I was a non-priority person, I would have, oh, of course. Hey, you got a lot of people you need to see? Go for it. There was one other person in the entire office that yeah. I could see. Maybe yeah. there's a hundred back there, but I don't think so. So here's the thing. You have the opportunity to change the atmosphere where you are and your clients will experience it when they come in and your friends will experience it when they come in. Be aware, you have two choices of the attitude that you're going to exude, whether you're going to be friendly and upbeat and cheery and invite people, or whether you're going to be fear-based and push people away. That also translates in how we manage our finances in a situation like this, because if you're fearful, then you're going to do things out of fear. And if you're not, if you're prepared, if you're level-headed, if you're thinking this through, then it allows you not just to take care of your family, but maybe even extend that help to someone else who needs it. I mean, what a great opportunity to help your neighbor if they need it or a family member yes. who may not be prepared. But that gives you an open door to say, hey, here's why we can help you, because we have been managing money a certain way to prepare for times like this. Yeah. And you guys aren't prepared for that. We'd love to help you pre be prepared next time. Mm -hmm. So you could potentially help someone to learn from this opportunity and be better prepared for the future for them and the family. That's right. Well, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do us a favor and rate and review this podcast on whatever device you're listening to. If you're on an iPhone, click on you know the Apple podcast, scroll to the very bottom, hit the five star if you believe it deserves a five star, mm -hmm. uh, put a review on there, and then subscribe. If you subscribe, it'll continue to help the algorithm connect and help more people find the show. Uh, from there, it would be a huge honor if you would go onto social media and just share uh, this episode or another one of your favorite episodes. We would really, really appreciate that. Copy us, tag us in it. If you yep. connect with us on social media and then tag us on that post. Uh, and then finally, you can find the show notes 
to this episode and all of our episodes, along with a bunch of more content and resources at leosabo.com. And the show notes are just beautiful. Like go click on one of your favorite episodes and you'll see links to more information. You'll see a breakdown of the things that we talked about. I mean, I love personally, I've gone back and looked at the show notes when I'm going to help counsel somebody on something. I'm like, what did we talk about in house buying? What were the rules of thumb that we gave? Mm -hmm. And I'll go back and I'll look at the show notes. What was the investing tips that we gave? I want to make sure that I line back up with that advice. I'll go to the show notes, Mm -hmm. go check out the show notes. You will enjoy it. I also recommend you go over to stewardshippastors.com. This is a website that I've developed to help churches and church leaders to implement stewardship ministry in their church so that people can be financially free and they don't end up in financial bondage during seasons like this. Mm -hmm. So that people will be ready for a recession, ready for an outbreak, ready for Uh, anything that may come in the future. So there's a book that I've got uh, coming very shortly. It's called Jesus on Money. Went through and took every scripture in the Bible or in in the Gospels where Jesus talked about finances, possessions, management. And so that's on that website. You can pre-order it along with a bunch of great videos and resources. And overall, I just want to say that we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep getting money right. And we know that in the next five to 10 years, this this recovery will happen. And we're not worried about it because right. that is planned to yeah. stay in there for more than 10 years. That's right. And so, so what are Vanguard investors doing? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing.